0: morning everybody welcome to church at home we come now this morning to our fourth episode in our acts alive series as we look at the book of acts and we see how we can become people that serve jesus better just as we see in the book that we're reading and mark chapter 4 verse 3 says this jesus tells a parable he says listen a farmer went out to sow his seed as he was scattering the seeds, some fell among the path, and birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and it grew, and it produced a crop. 30 60 and 100 times jesus said whoever has ears to hear let them hear and then in verse 14 jesus goes on to explain to his hearers what he was talking about he says the farmer's seed is the word of god and the seed falls in different places with different responses to the word and produces different results He says there's many places where it might not bear the fruit we're looking for, but he says there are some places or there are some hearts that produce a good crop multiple times more than what we expected.
1: And The disciples are ready to go tell the world. But then Jesus tells them to wait and to stay in Jerusalem until they receive a new kind of power so they can be faithful witnesses to Jesus and his kingdom. Then he says that their mission is going to begin in Jerusalem, then move out to Judea and Samaria, and then from there out into the nations. It's like a road map for the whole book of Acts.
0: And so today, we've uh, let me remind you that we've said that Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is our key scripture for the whole of the book. It says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of Of the earth, and so today we come to the middle section. We finished last week with Stephen, who completes the Jerusalem section as as Stephen gives his life for the gospel, and then today, as we look at the Jerusalem and some the Judea and Samaria section, chapters eight to twelve, this middle section of the Book of Acts we see that the things that Jesus challenged his disciples to do begin in a very surprising way.
1: And thousands of Jews decided to stay in Jerusalem and join the movement. It grew in size and in influence and gained favor with people. But not with the Jerusalem temple leaders. They viewed this whole thing as a dangerous religious sect, and they even executed one of its leaders named Stephen. It's no longer safe in Jerusalem, and so most of the followers flee for the outlying land called Judea. And you might think that's the end of the story, but actually this tragedy became the way the movement spread outside Jerusalem. That's where the second part of the book of Acts begins. The scattered followers end up in surprising places, like Samaria, where their ancient enemies live. Yeah, and Luke shows us how all of these unexpected people start following Jesus.
0: Why don't you turn to Acts chapter 8 verse 1 and we can read it together. So it says on that day, this is the day that Stephen uh, uh, was martyred for his faith. It says on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs that he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. And so there was great joy in that city. So as we did the recap last week, we see the word of God is is powerful. The church is growing. Um, They begin to bring leaders into the church. There's amazing things happen. The the, the believers are looking after each other. Things are going well. Then Stephen begins to minister. We find that he's arrested. He gives his life for the church. And then from one day to the next, everything changes. It says a great persecution uh, breaks out against the church without warning. No one saw it coming. It just happens. It takes them by surprise. Now, as you read uh, chapter 8, you may pick up some of the language. And so let me just explain that the, as we said last week, we have the Hebraic uh, Jews. In other words, they were Jewish by race, but also Hebrew by culture. And then we have the Hellenistic Jews, which are Greek by culture. And so the the uh, Gre- the the, the Hebrew speaking Jews re- leave Jerusalem. They go to the neighboring places, look for safety, and then slowly come back. The apostles remain in Jerusalem to build a base and to look after the church there as they come back. But it's the Greek speaking Jews, the so called Hellenists, that because they stand out so much, they leave from Jerusalem and scatter into Judea which is the province around Jerusalem and then into Samaria which is the neighboring province a different culture different language and uh, they're running for their lives so the world at that time was was um, under Roman rule and the Roman Empire was pretty tolerant of local customs and beliefs you may remember maybe you've read Asterix and Oblix um, over the Over your years, but uh, you may remember how the Roman Empire was trying to take over large sections of the world, the Roman rule, and gather resources wherever they went and so one of the ways that they pacified nations as they conquered them was to give local cultural leaders a management role and so as long as the people served Rome, paid their taxes, and didn't give much trouble, Rome was happy to let uh, them alone to carry on their own way and up until this time the jews had lived in a kind of uneasy peace with their roman rulers but now as people that were formerly jews get know, get to know jesus and become what the bible in acts begins to call those of the way in other words born again believers tensions develop between them and the jewish leaders who see it as a threat to their power when they start speaking of another messiah a king that they must serve rather than the roman rulers or even the hebrew rabbis and sanhedrin the ruling class they see it as a threat to their power and not only that but then rome begins to see this christian uprising as a threat against roman rule and roman control and so the the stage is charged to see where we go next I don't know if you've heard this, I'm pretty sure you have, but I've heard it over and over. People saying our COVID crisis has resulted in a new normal. We talk about a new normal. We do life a different way. Um, We've got used to getting up and staying home for church in this season, which will change as we go forward. Uh, But you've probably got used to having your children at home during school instead of dropping them at school. And we've got used to a new normal. And here at the beginning of chapter eight of uh, uh, chapter eight of, of the book of Acts, we see a cataclysmic shift, a huge shift in what their new no- their normal was. There's a big shift in early Christianity. First of all, Christianity goes beyond Jerusalem. This is important beyond just their own interests and their own uh, circles uh, and, and spheres of influence, the things that they're interested in. The second thing is it goes beyond just the leaders and it now involves every man. We see in Acts chapter 6, new leaders are brought into the church. But in Acts chapter 7, Stephen plays a new role and then we see how space is made for every believer to take on new responsibility, as we spoke about last week. And then the third very shocking thing, the big shift in terms of early Christianity, is that all of this comes with persecution. (laughs) Now, funny that uh, uh, you may have noticed, you know, there was no how-to course to prepare the believers that happened on a Wednesday night at the church building. There was no persecution uh, one-on-one readiness class. Uh, uh, Just like Noah never had a how to build the ark class. A crisis happened, and these Christians just responded naturally. Now remember, these are not the deluxe Christians. They were not the paid professionals. The apostles stay in Jerusalem and it's the everyman, the you and me believers that get scattered and where they go, they take the word of God. So what was the key? What set these people apart? Well, if you read the book of Acts this way, you'll see it is the Holy Spirit, as we've said every time. Do you know, if you look at the book of Acts, Holy Spirit is mentioned 62 times in these few chapters. If you reread the book, looking for the Holy Spirit, maybe you want to underline every time Holy Spirit is mentioned, you'll be amazed how part of everyday life He is. He's not just a once-off at salvation, or a once-off empowering, or a once-off filling, or encouraging. He's part of everyday life for every person who follows Jesus. We see language like this when you see... Uh, The name Holy Spirit pop up in the book of Acts. We see instructed, empowered, baptized, spoke, poured out, was received, was given as a gift, was promised, came on all. All were filled. People became full of the Holy Spirit, were instructed by the Holy Spirit, were made bold by the Holy Spirit, were directed by the Holy Spirit, were encouraged by the Holy Spirit. My goodness, we uh, all need That kind of empowering of the Holy Spirit every day, don't we? I want to encourage us this morning to consciously involve God the Holy Spirit in our lives more than ever. And so in the same way, this day and age really has been scattered with this COVID crisis. Uh, Someone said the other day, the church has left the building. Isn't that cool? Took quite a bit to get us to scatter into our homes and to reach to our neighbors and others, maybe on social media or different ways, but we are doing things different. Now, if we, you and I, have been scattered just to a comfortable home where we hunker down and ride out the storm, I think we're in trouble. We're living at less than the example of the book of Acts. According to the Acts model, we are missing a great opportunity to serve Jesus. You see, the first century believers didn't just run to neighboring towns or lands and hide themselves there and come back and carry on with life as usual when the fuss blew over. Rather, they took opportunities that weren't there just a few months before that. Now, you and I in this world have, believe it or not, opportunities that we didn't have have earlier you may be saying Craig I'm overwhelmed as it is life in this crisis is daunting and overwhelming now you want me to do more (laughs) well notice how these early believers handled things you could say that there's more to do but watch these early believers if we look at the example it doesn't give us much leeway does it But remember, this wasn't some program. This wasn't some church calendar that every good Christian had to fulfill. They didn't have a duty to do. It simply says that when they were scattered, wherever they went, the empowering of the Holy Spirit caused them to talk about the God that they loved. It wasn't a program or a project of the church. It was normal life fulfilling itself in whoever they spoke to. I've loved the, the the testimonies from our online. People have said I couldn't invite my my friends to the church building, but man, now they've be, I've invited them online and they started watching. Another lady said her and a friend arranged at the same time to watch the meeting uh, from their own homes separately, but they then are able to do it together, although they're in different locations. We've had people that didn't know about Grace Cove before lockdown find us and link into some of the ministry and uh, community moments that we've been offering. Some that have been less regular are more regular than they were, and as we slowly begin to add on-site meetings again in time, it gives us another opportunity to reach out again. Tertullian who uh, was alive in the early centuries and in 197 AD he said the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church and I have been so challenged that there's a mind shift change that has to happen in the life of a believer where we realize that at salvation our lives are really no longer our own that we serve Jesus and he can ask anything of us that he wish. Sometimes we grudgingly serve God, whatever that might mean for you. Smile at my neighbor. Go to church. Pay my tithe. Say a prayer in the morning. Grace before I eat. We think somehow we're doing God this amazing favor when we live a Christian life. But there is an evidence that we see in the book of Acts that these people never thought that way. Compromise was very far from their minds because they were sold out to Jesus. Like I said last week about Stephen, he was all in In this world that you and I live in, often when we face a bit of uh, difficulty, we're very quick to wonder if it's really if we're walking in the call of God. And Tyron Daniel reminds us that when Jesus told his disciples, "Let's get in a boat and go to the other side," he falls asleep below decks, and a storm comes up, and that the disciples panic, they wonder what they've done wrong, and they wake Jesus up, they say, "Don't you care?" Well, Tyron reminds us that these disciples were in the will of God. They were following the command of God. They were engaged in the purposes of God. And they were in the very presence of God. And yet they still end up in a storm and fearing for their life. Christian, can I encourage you this morning, if you are facing challenge, if you are facing persecution, if you are struggling, you might well be poised at a moment for God to use you for his good and so we see luke tells us in this portion about two different kinds of people we first of all hear about the crowds luke gives us a cross-section of the average believer the zondervan bible commentary says that jerusalem had become thoroughly evangelized and so with the fierce persecution as people are sent further afield people are able to hear the gospel Sometimes we think that ministry is, it should be left to the paid professionals. Those people will get the job done. But remember, we speak about the priesthood of all believers. Zondervan puts it this way. They say it is impossible to overstate the importance of individual witness in the spread of the gospel. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Hundreds of unknown evangelists were preaching the gospel to thousands of souls, and the message became known over the whole area. They say when the preaching of the word is professionalized, a large part of the vitality of Christian witness is lost. So who were these everyday disciples and, and what were they like? Well, it says those who were scattered preached the word wherever they went. If you are born again this morning watching this broadcast, you are one of the those This wasn't a select group, it wasn't the graduates of the evangelism class or the Bible school, it was everyday believers that as they were scattered they just lived what they believed and other people were remarkable, remarked on it. It says, and so these were scattered. I began with the parable of the sower because he was a broadcast sower. He had a bag on his hip. He put his hand and took out the seed and scattered, much like you and I would put fertilizer on our lawns today. And these Jews are called diaspora. They're the dispersed Jews. As they are scattered by persecution, the kingdom of God comes. And just maybe the the, the pressure that you're under could be the very workings of Jesus to bring the kingdom of God in your experience to the people around you. These unknown evangelists, these these everyday evangelists, have certain characteristics that I'd like to challenge you and I with this morning. The first is that they were able to overlook offense. Offense. I find it so amazing. They didn't leave Jerusalem and start support groups where they could gather together and complain about their lot in life. When you drop your kids off at school, I don't know if you see those huddles of parents discussing the latest gossip. I don't want to be part of that group. But these parents Believers embraced and overlooked offense. They weren't offended that Jesus let them down. Rather, they rejoiced at the opportunity to serve Him. Have you been offended because of your lot in life? Or because of the perceived um, uh, uh, hand that God has dealt you? Would you be big enough this morning, friend, to overlook the offense and see the purpose of God? The second thing is that they surrendered their right to complaint so-and-so didn't greet me today so-and-so sat in my chair parked in my parking so-and-so at work let me down man surrender your right to complain be a sacrificed servant of Jesus and the kingdom can go wherever you go the third thing is that they were able to present their experience as an offering to God we looked at Abraham and Isaac and the offering of our entire lives to God imagine the power that comes when Bad things don't just happen to you, but rather we provide them to God as an offering. Say, Jesus, take this as an offering, either as worship or as work for the kingdom of God. And finally, these everyday evangelists embraced their uniqueness. They were different. They stood out. People would have made fun of them. There would have been thorns and rocky ground and paths. Not every patch of soil would have been a good harvest. And friends, you are different to the people around you. And that is God's intention. When we keep our word, when we have integrity, when we do what we say, when we turn up on time, when we remember to pray for someone who expressed a need, we stand out. And even if people would make fun of us, remember, embrace our uniqueness because Jesus will use it to point people to Him. So Luke's first case study in Acts chapter 8 is the everyday evangelist. It's the crowd. Everyone is is included. And that means you. And then he zooms in on some particular individuals. And we're going to have a look at Philip uh, as our second example this morning. Uh, You remember in Acts chapter 6, we read that Philip was one of those chosen as deacons to look after the widows uh, and and the feeding in the local church. And the amazing thing is that Philip was not one of the twelve. He was one of the next crop of leaders. He would have been a new Turk, a, a new leader. He was one of the among you guys. Those among them preached the word wherever they went. That was Philip. He doesn't begin as some special preacher. He begins like you and I. And God uses him in an amazing way because he's willing to overlook offense, to surrender his right to complaint, to present his experience as an offering and to embrace his uniqueness wherever he goes. And so Luke in his writings, the book of Acts, he focuses on some of these characteristics that we see in um, Philip. And let me encourage you with them this morning. I find it very challenging. First of all, he says, Philip was faithful. Now you might think, faithful, that's very mediocre. I want to encourage you this morning. How faithful are you to the Lord, to your family, to Grace Cove, to opportunities to serve, whatever the case may be, to, to your work situation? Are you a faithful person? It's amazing. It says, Philip went to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. You see, Philip was just a a delightful member of this local church in Jerusalem. He was plugged in and he was serving. A task was needed to do. He put his hand up. He says, choose me. Let me help those ladies. I don't know if he liked grannies or not, but I'm sure he loved God's people because he's willing to serve. He was known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. I can tell you what he wasn't is he wasn't a headache to his leaders. Those apostles didn't think, oh no, not Philip, every time he came for a conversation. He was part of the solution to that first big problem in the local church at Acts. He had a testimony of faithfulness, both in his life and in the local church. He turned up, he thought about others, he cared for his brothers and sisters. He had a sincere love for God's people. One of the first jobs I ever was given as a brand new staff member, uh, just as a youngster in the local church, a lady had two knee uh, operations, and uh, I needed to go and pick her up and take her for a walk, and she had these two little Yorkshire Terriers. Now forgive me, I think any dog that's too small is a headache, and there I was, just as a youngster, I had to pick this, this granny up. I had nothing in common, but man, if she didn't walk, her knees wouldn't get better. I had to go to God and say, God, I love you. Help me to love her. And Philip was one who loved the grannies. He loved the whole church, willing to serve them. He was willing to free up the elders, the the apostles, the elders of the local church, so that they could concentrate on their ministry by him doing his part. Do you know that every single one of us can be faithful? Faithfulness isn't a gifting. You don't have to pray and fast to get faithfulness. It, it's it's it, it, you don't get it at bible school you don't get it by being the head boy of your school uh, faithfulness is a fruit of the holy spirit again if the spirit is in you man faithfulness should be there you just need the right kind of heart so first of all Philip was faithful secondly his heart wasn't just involved parochial he was near and far-hearted you know that Philip is the first person to share the gospel with an African. <laughs> you can read it. He, he, he goes, God calls him to a place. God says, go to this road. And he obeys immediately. There he finds the Ethiopian eunuch, a government member of the kingdom of, 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 the, of Queen Candace. He's the first guy to preach to an African. And through that ministry, Africa receives the, the, the gospel when this Ethiopian goes home. He's not just interested in his own uh, uh, environment. You know what I find interesting is that this wasn't a cross-cultural evangelism program that Philip was fulfilling. He just loved Jesus. Didn't matter who you were, where you're from. When he saw you, he loved you, and he wanted to tell you about Jesus. So Philip was faithful. He was near and far hearted. The third thing is he had a, he accepted an enduring mandate. You know how many people start well but don't finish. A job? Philip put his hand up, received a call from the Lord and finished well. In Acts chapter 8 verse 40, it says, Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. All the way up the coast, he preached every town. One after the next, he didn't give up. And you know, 20 years later in Acts chapter 21, the Bible tells us that Paul stays at Philip's house. Acts chapter 21 verse 8, Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. Can I ask you, friend, have you started something for Jesus that today you need to go and revive? Did you say you'd be part of something in, at Grace Coven? Maybe you've fallen back. It's time for you to be faithful again. Philip, not only that, but he was an an initiator. In verse 14, it says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. You see, Philip went there, preached, and created an opportunity. He sparked something that others would continue. He just gathered some people. Life breaks out. Remember signs of life in the first episode? And uh, now all of a sudden, people are there. The church in Jerusalem hear about it. They send the apostles He's an, an initiator, a self-starter. He makes stuff happen. The beautiful thing is he's also a team worker. When the apostles arrive, he doesn't give them the cold shoulder and say, who do you guys think you are to now come? I've got this thing going. I'll do it. No, he's not threatened by others' giftings. He's not precious about his area of service. But rather, he's accountable, he's submitted, he's willing to use different giftings to see the kingdom of God come. It says in verse 15 of chapter 8, When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit again. And then they proclaimed the word of the Lord, testified about Jesus, and returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. So maybe today there needs to be a shift in your, quote, new normal. I wonder what that would look like. Maybe you need to be born again. Maybe you need to just not be so quiet about your faith. Maybe you need to look beyond your lot in life and instead of thinking, poor me, you should be thinking, let's go, God, there's an opportunity. Last week, I challenged us, looking at Stephen's self-sacrificed life, I challenged us that some of us need to surrender to Jesus for the first time. I said some will surrender to his call today. And in years to come, you will look back to lockdown church at home and say, that day in June, I chose a different path. You might end up serving Jesus in a different country. You may be a church planter. You may build a bridge and reach your neighbor. You may be a faithful worker. You may be a life group leader. You may work with the kids. You may preach to your colleagues. You may care for the poor. And I believe that here in Grace Cove, there are callings that will surprise us. Perhaps you're thinking, Craig, all this Acts Alive stuff, it's a bit much. I still have to go to work on Monday. I've got to go earn a living, pay the bills, get the kids to school. I've just got to get through my life. You might well have said that, but I think it's less than this great example of the everyday evangelist and of, of Luke, of Philip, that Luke tells us about, that we see in, in the book of Acts. I'm encouraging you to allow the word of God to stir you on the inside. Would you commit today in the light of Acts chapter 8. Would you commit today friend to put Jesus first. Put him first in your season. The time space you're in. Put him first in your suffering or your persecution. Whether you're in a good space or a difficult space. Let Jesus use you. And thirdly. Will you put him first in your service? Each part of our lives becoming empowered by the Holy Spirit and invested in getting the good news of Jesus out wherever he sends. I'm going to pray. But can I ask you this? Lord, I'm committing you to put you first in my season, this stage of my life. I'll put you first, Jesus, even in my suffering. And I'll put you, Jesus, first in my service. Would you put your hand up and say, Jesus, choose me. Whatever that might be, it'll be different for each of us. But Jesus, choose me. Father, I pray that you would grab our hearts this morning. Help us to be stirred from these great examples we see in Acts. And Jesus, would you speak to us, call us on to put you first. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, can't wait to see you soon. God bless you.